you glad that you've got victory in Jesus this morning? If you would, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we uh, just thank you for that victory. God, it makes us excited to head into a new year, knowing that wherever we go, Father, you'll go with us. And, and God, we just uh, want to come before you now as we uh, open up this service, God, and we just ask that you would um, uh, bless this time that we have together, God, that your name will be lifted high, and that through our attitudes and our actions, we may glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, And as we, uh, in just a few minutes, look into your word, God, I pray that you would just use it in our hearts, Father. Father God, convict us of our sin and our shortcoming. God, may this month be a time for us to set aside, to draw back near to you. And God, we just trust you for what's going to happen in the few minutes that we have ahead. And God, we just ask you to bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, good morning. Did you all have a good new year? I'm, I did. I had a pretty good New Year. I was in bed about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. It was a, it was a great New Year. Uh, I, I, I thought, though, I, I guess I was mistaken, though. I thought I saw Miss Sally Lou up there with Dick Clark in New York City, but I, she said it wasn't her. And so, are you sure it wasn't you, Miss Sally Lou? Okay, you know, if, she, if she's sure. No, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was a good time. We had a good uh, trip um, up to the mountains, we uh, we went up there this week and kind of got to refocus and and set aside some time to relax. And uh, we saw a pile of snow uh, up there, uh, and we had a good time. Even hadn't got to make a snow angel, so uh, uh, it, it remains to be seen whether it's going to be a snow angel or a snow devil. We'll know in a couple years, but. Um, uh, but no, we had a good time together, uh, and uh, you know, I, I was excited about getting to go up there uh, for a few days to kind of, um, you know, think about some things and refocus. Uh, if you were here last week, um, you know that last week uh, we had a, a time uh, that we came together and we looked inside the book of Joshua and, and came to the place in Joshua where the Israelites had just crossed over the Jordan River and and they were getting ready to go and uh, take conquest, uh, take rule over the land that God had promised them, go into battle. Before they went into battle, um, God told uh, Joshua that the Israelites needed to be circumcised because this generation who had grew up in the desert had not yet been circumcised and set apart for uh, God. So they did that, and, and while the men were recovering from uh, the surgery, um, Joshua was out walking around. As he's walking around, you remember he comes and finds the commander of the Lord's army. Um, it's a picture of the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ and Joshua being, you know, the courageous guy that he was. And I say, you know, Joshua might have had a touch of little man syndrome because the first thing he said is, are you on my side or are you on their side? And the commander of the Lord's army, Jesus Christ, said, neither. I'm not on your side or their side. It says, for I'm commander of the Lord of hosts. And basically he was saying, you know, I'm not on anybody's side. The question is, are you on my side? And we talked about that and... Um, what happened next is that the commander of the Lord's army, Jesus Christ, told Joshua, said, take off your shoes, take off your sandals, for the ground that you're standing on is holy. And Joshua set aside some time before they went into battle to worship. And uh, last week we used that to talk about um, kind of our vision going forward into the future of the church. And, and we set forward a pretty ambitious uh, vision for what we want to accomplish. And um, I won't take time to reiterate all that. If you weren't here last Sunday, I strongly, strongly suggest that you get a copy of either CD or DVD or, or something. Um, because we talked about uh, that our, we, we're tired of asking God, is this a good plan? We asked God, what's your plan? And when we asked that, God showed us that um, there's a need in Branford. And so we set forth a vision for this church that we want to go and we want to start up a campus 
in Branford, and we said that there's going to be a three-step process. Number one, um, we are going to need to gather a core group from Branford because we don't want it to be a Mayo church in Branford. We want it to be a Branford church in Branford. Number two, we need to we need to identify and train key leaders out of that group. That in itself is going to be a six to a nine-month process. And then finally, uh, we need to uh, secure locations and facilities. And uh, honestly, we said each of those three are three doors that God needs to open himself. We can't kick them open. We can't push them open. we got to wait on God to open them. When he does, we'll walk through it. And uh, like I say, we won't go into all that, but I encourage you to watch that if you weren't here. Um, but what I want to do is, like Joshua, give us this month, the month of January, before we go into battle, before we get busy, before we start taking on new tasks, I want us to take a month, kick off our shoes, and worship. Right? Because isn't that what, just what God told Joshua to do? He says, take off your sandals. The ground you're standing on is holy. What he says is, before you go into battle, take a few minutes and gather yourself. Refocus on me and then go into battle. And so before we get ready for what's coming up, and there's a lot going to be coming up as we work towards this, because we're going to uh, work like it depends on us, pray like it depends on God, and when he opens the doors, we're going to go through them. But before we do, God really just laid on my heart that this month needs to be a month that we set aside to refocus. To refocus. Um, the the uh, prefix re, if you look it up in the dictionary, the prefix re simply means to do it again or to go back. And so this needs to be a month of re for us. We need to refocus. We need to repent. We need to be revived. And then finally, we need to renew. And, um, and you look at there and say, Chip, does that look a little bit blurry? I sure hope so because it's intentionally done because maybe you'd see that we don't, we're not seeing things as clearly as we need to see them right now. And, and I really believe that God's laid on my heart that we need to just set aside this month and focus on getting refocused. And I'm excited about what God's going to do this month that we set aside to be renewed. Um, I'm excited about it. You know, we need to, like I said, kick off our sandals um, and worship. It's my prayer that this month will be a time for us as a church body to come together to prepare and refocus for the tasks that God's laid before us. And so I'd ask, you know, if you would join me in that this month. You know, even, even right now, before we get started, I want us to do something um, that we've done once or twice in the past. We don't do it often. What I want to do is I want to, before we go any further, um, take some time and let's go to the Lord in prayer. And so what I ask you to do is, is these altars are going to be open. You can kneel there at your seat. Uh, but what I want us to do is take just a few minutes before we go into this month and say, God, would you use this month to help me focus again on you. God, would you use this month to bring me back to where I need to be? So what we're going to do is we're going to bow silently. You can use your chair as an altar. You can come to the altar. And then in a few minutes, I'm going to open us some prayer, and we're going to jump right into God's Word. So would you bow with me as we take a few moments for you to silently prepare your heart?
Heavenly Father, God, we know that when we come before you, Father, with open hearts, and we sincerely ask that you would draw us back to you, Father, that you will answer that prayer and that you will do exactly what we ask. And God, as we have set aside this month as a church, as a time of refocusing, of repenting, reviving, and renewing, God, I pray that even right now that you would begin to move among us, God, that you would create a fresh spirit within our hearts this morning. God, that you would draw us back into that relationship uh, that was purchased through the blood of Jesus Christ, Father, that renewed and restored relationship uh, with you, God. And I pray that if there be anything this morning that would keep us from that, God, whether it be hard feelings towards one another, burdens from outside the church, health problems, financial problems, God, whatever might keep us from you today, God, I pray that you would help us before the end of this service to lay it on the altar and to kill it. God, I pray that you would just remove those burdens, remove those weights, and free our chains so that we can focus on you this morning. God, and when you do, and we know that you will, we'll give you the glory for it. We pray in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, if you got your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and open them up to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. What we're going to do um, is we're going to read a few verses together. Uh, we're going to stand and read verses 1 through 10 together, and then we're going to take a few minutes and look um, at the rest, uh, the next 10 verses as well. But if you found that in Isaiah chapter 1, would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word together? Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 1, if you don't have your copy of God's Word, it's up here on the screen behind. It says this, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger, but Israel does not know my people do not understand Alas, sinful nation, people weighted down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They've turned away from Him. Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it. Only bruises, welts, and raw wounds. Not pressed out or bandaged, not softened with oil. Your land is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your fields, strangers, are devouring them in your presence. It is desolation as overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left a few survivors, we would be like Sodom, we would be like Gomorrah. Heavenly Father God, we pray you bless the reading of your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Uh, you, you look at this passage, and it's a startling passage, isn't it? It's a passage that's... Um, Get your attention when you look at it. I'd like to read you an email um, that I received uh, this week from a friend of mine um, in Cross City. He says, a number of years ago, uh, and this is a letter that was sent to him by a friend, said, a number of years ago I had the privilege of teaching at a school of ministry. My students were hungry for God, and I was constantly searching for ways to challenge them to fall more in love with Jesus and to become voices for revival in the church. I came across a quote attributed most often to Reverend Sam Pascoe. 
It is a short version of the Christian history, and it goes like this. Christianity started in Palestine as a fellowship. It moved to Greece and became a philosophy. It moved to Italy and became an institution. And it moved to Europe and became a culture. It came to America and became an enterprise. Some of the students were only 18 or 19 years old, barely out of diapers. I resent that. And I wanted them to understand and appreciate the importance of the last line. So I clarified it by adding an enterprise, that means a business. And after a few moments, Martha, the youngest student in the class, raised her hand. I could not imagine what her question might be. I thought the little vignette was self-explanatory and that I had performed it brilliantly. Nevertheless, I acknowledged Martha's raised hand. Yes, Martha, she asked such a simple question. A business? Isn't the church supposed to be a body? I couldn't envision where this line of questioning was going, but the only response I could think of was, yes. She continued, but when a body becomes a business, isn't that a prostitute? The room went dead silent. For several seconds, no one moved or spoke. We were stunned, afraid to make a sound because we knew the presence of God had flooded into that room, and we knew we were on holy ground. All I could think of in those sacred moments was, wow, I wish I'd thought of that. I didn't dare express that thought out loud. God had taken her of the class. Martha's question changed my life. For six months, I thought about her question at least once every day. When a body becomes a business, isn't that a prostitute? There's only one answer to her question, and the answer is yes. The American church, tragically, is heavily populated by people who do not love God. How can we love them? We don't even know them. And I mean really know them. I got my attention this week. I throw away forge. I tell my parents, you know, don't send me a message. Don't send me forge. Don't send, you know, any of that. But as I read this, and I'd been studying the passage in Isaiah, I couldn't help but think, isn't that exactly what Isaiah was trying to get across to the nation of Israel? He said, listen, you are supposed to be an example of what a nation who lives to the glory of God can be to the entire world. And yet this body that's been called and put together has become a business. The people were uh, going uh, in all different directions. There was corruption among the priests and the Levites. The temple uh, was not what it should be. Sacrifices were being uh, made in, in a false fashion. And we'll look more at that in a minute. And Isaiah says a body is not a business. For when a body becomes a business, that business is prostitution. And we look at that, and I think we can identify with the church in America today because when we look at our churches today, uh, our churches seem a lot more like businesses than they do bodies, don't they? Don't our pastors act a lot more like CEOs than shepherds? Our deacons act a lot more like a board of trustees than they do servants? The church in America today has become a business, and it's supposed to be a body, and when a body becomes a business, that's a prostitute. And we think about that and we look at these harsh terms and say, Chip, that can't be right, that's not right. But I think that it is. And I'd like to think that we here in Mayo have been, uh, has been you know, kept uh, apart from this, that we've remained above this. But truth be told, if we, as I look out in the congregation today and I see our church and I see where we're at as a life of a church and as a group of individuals, I'd say this, we are not where we should be. Our love for Christ has grown tragically cold. And what we do now, we do when we look at the bottom line of baptisms, budgets, and buildings. And if we can fill people in the baptistry, if we can meet our budget, and if we can build a new building, we say we've done a good job. But I hate to tell you that that's not how God measures the success of a church. 
And shame on us for measuring success that way. Isaiah goes to the nation of Israel and he says, you don't even get it. He says, an ox and a donkey can find their way home, but you won't find your way back to me. Isaiah said there's only two options for a group of people when they come to a crossroads like this. You can either rebel or you can submit. And he goes on and looks at this in verse number 10. In verse number 10, he says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of God, you people of Gomorrah. Now you've got to understand that the nation of Israel being referred to as Sodom and Gomorrah was a pretty big charge, right? You know, it was a pretty big deal to have this name called on them. We can think of several other slang words for sodomite that we use in our culture today, and it'd be like somebody calling the church one of those. This is not, you know, the G-rated version of Isaiah, but it's what Isaiah says. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Look at this. He says, What are your multiplied sacrifices to me? Says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Could you imagine a pastor saying that in church today? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me and I am weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I'll hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Does it sound like God's upset? I think so. You know why? Because he was. Right? God was ticked. He says, you come into the temple and you offer these sacrifices. You have these feasts. You have these dedications. He says, but I'm sick of it. Let's put it this way. Let's put it in a modern context. He says, I'm sick of your Sunday school lessons. I'm tired of hearing you sing Amazing Grace. I'm through with you putting your tithe in the plate. None of this matters to me anymore. It's making me burdensome. Get rid of it. That's what God's saying. Could you imagine if he said that to us today? The nation of Israel had become so corrupt that they had taken a system that God had put in place to restore relationship. And by that we mean the system of sacrifices. Because if you look at the book of Leviticus, that's not thrown in the Bible by accident. It's there for a reason and it's to show us that God provides a way for every man, woman, and child of the nation of Israel to have a path toward relationship with Him. It's a shadow of what's coming in Christ. 
But God had taken the system which was meant to restore relationship and the nation of Israel had turned it into a system of religious rituals. Is that an amen or an oh me for us today? Right? I mean, is our church more like a way to relationship or more like religious rituals? He said, you come in and you offer these sacrifices, but your heart's not in it. You come in and you burn incense, but it's just because that's what you've always done. You come in and you have these feasts and these fasts and these festivals. But in the end, it's only your foolish attempt to try and control God. Because that's exactly what was happening here. The nation of Israel thought, okay, God's mad at me. So because God's mad at me, what I need to do is I need to make more sacrifices. Because God's mad at me, what I need to do is give more offerings. Because God's mad at me, what I need to do is I need to burn more incense. And God says, you're missing the point. It's not about performing a ritual in just the right way so that I won't be mad at you. It's about that you've missed the point entirely. You're concerned about what you do. God says, I'm concerned about why you do it. Man, isn't that hitting home for some of us? Hopefully, maybe. We come in church every Sunday. We put our tithe in the offering plate. We, we might teach a Sunday school lesson or go to a deacon's meeting or work in the nursery. And we think that if we do these things, that God is going to be happy. But God's not happy because of what you do. He's happy because of why you do them. And if you do them in order to manipulate and control God, then you've missed the point. Isn't it weird to think that people could be in church... Offer the right sacrifices, perform the right services, and still be in open rebellion against God. That's a sad thought, isn't it? So what that means to me is that you could have been in Sunday school, maybe even taught the class, sang a song, changed a diaper, fed a kid, Put money in the plate. But truth is, you're still in open rebellion against God. I said that this month's going to be a month of reason. Today's about refocusing. And, and I put it to you like this. Isn't it a lot easier to see somebody else's sin than our own sin? Isn't it a lot easier to look across the aisle and say, I'm glad they're here to hear this today? It is. But truth be told, if we want to refocus, that doesn't mean refocus on others to judge them. It means refocus on ourselves in order to see really where we stand. Now you listen as a church, we've got this backwards. We like to look at the sin of others and ask, how can I make myself more comfortable? But the way God intended it is, you look at others, ask, how can I make them more comfortable, and look at yourself and judge your sin. I think the greatest fault of our church today is that we flip those two around, haven't we? 
God says you look out in judgment and you look in for service. It's not it. You look out for service, you look in for repentance. God tells the nation of Israel, you have missed the point and I'm tired of it. And I believe that if God could come to our church today, he would tell you as a loving father, but at the same time as a righteous judge, you've missed the point. The point's not to build a good building. The point's not to take up a big offering. The point's not even to get people baptized. The point is that you would glorify and worship me in everything that you do. And in the words of Jesus, he'd say, You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Can I ask you this one simple question? A question that might be inappropriate for me to ask. When is the last time that you've been to this altar? We have some people who are here every single Sunday almost. And it's not because they're such bad people. They need to be here. It's because they got the point and they realize it's about relationship. And so their heart's soft and they're here. But some of you sit out there and you say, well, I'm not that bad. I've done my part. I've given my money. I've spent my time. It's my business alone. I don't have to go forward. God says, no, you don't. No, you don't have to. But the fact you don't want to should convict you where you sit. The first option that we have when we come to a crossroads of life is that we can rebel against God. And that rebellion's not always big, overt. Let's go get drunk. Let's go cheat on our spouses, let's go gamble, let's go, you know, we have a few sins we talk about, we got some we don't. We could rebel, say, I'm going to go eat a whole pizza for lunch. It's a sin, isn't it? Go gluttony. We could sin, say, I'm going to rebel, I'm only going, I'm, I'm not going to give any of my money to the church. We don't like to talk about that. Anyway, your, rebel, your rebellion could be overt sin, But the irony Isaiah is trying to point out is that your rebellion very well could be and already is reluctant, manipulative, ritual obedience. Isn't that weird? First option is rebellion. The second option is submission. Look, keep reading with me. Verse 16 God continues through Isaiah and says, wash yourselves. Maybe we could just stop right there. He didn't say wash the person sitting next to you, did he? Wash your husband, wash your wife. What did he say? Wash yourselves. says it again. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Now, Remember, he was just talking about things that they did in church and they were supposed to do in church, and yet he's calling them evil deeds. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Look at this. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. What he's saying is this. These are the things that are just as much required of you but yet because you receive no benefit and feel you have no control, we neglect doing them. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. One clear sign that you were in open rebellion against God, yet sitting in church every Sunday, 
is the fact that you choose the part of God's law that you like to keep. We like to say, well, I do this and I don't do this and I do this and I don't do this and that's what God says for me to do, so I'm all right, Chip. Chip, I came to Sunday school. There were people who didn't. I'd say amen. Chip said, I, you'd say, I, Chip, I'm in church this Sunday. was here last Sunday. There's some people who weren't. I'd say amen. Chip, I give my money to the church. I give full 10%. I'd say amen. Chip, I teach Sunday school. Chip, I work in Awana. Chip, I work in the nursery. Chip, I'm a deacon. I'd say amen. But when's the last time that you took a child with no mother and father and fed them a high meal? When's the last time that you saw a person in need and instead of saying, well, they're only going to use this money to go buy alcohol, that you really gave a hand out? When's the last time that you came and actually did more for others than you'd ever dream about doing for yourself? Isn't it amazing that when we feel so righteous, it's only because we keep the laws we choose to keep and we ignore the laws we choose to ignore. If you look in the Old Testament, you can't hardly read a chapter of any of the prophet, prophetical books and see where God does not condemn the nation of Israel for neglecting the orphans, the widows, the migrants, and the immigrants. Where's that at? Man, we've made ourselves comfortable, haven't we? It's missing the point. God says, this is the path that you have to take. You have got to submit to me and be obedient, not because of what you're going to get from it, but be obedient because that's what I've asked of you. Church, when is the last time that we did what we do, not because that's the way we've always done it, not because we get something out of it, not because of anything other than the reason we do it is because we want to. And it brings honor and glory to God. God says, I'm tired of your sacrifices. I'm tired of your offerings. I just want you to do good. Seek justice. Defend the widow and the orphan. How about this? Live like you preach. Verse 18. God said, come now and let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. We like to stop there, but look at the next word. If. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah lays it out very plain, very simple. One path, the path of submission, leads to life. The other path, the path of rebellion, leads to death. And it's up to you to choose which path you take. I would hate to think that you would spend this month that we've set aside to draw close to the Lord in open rebellion here in church. 
And it's possible. You might be here every single Sunday, and yet you are like the Israelites. You miss the point. You're out of the picture. You're in rebellion in church. Or you can look at yourself this morning and say, God, I know my motives haven't been pure. God, I know my affections haven't been sincere. And right now, I could care less what anybody in this room thinks about me. I just want to get back in a right relationship with you. Isn't it funny how our actions can reveal our attitudes? We will do the right things and do the right things and do the right things until somebody hits a nerve. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? There's that one spot that you just better not touch. Because when you do, the teeth and the claws are coming out. Can I look at you this morning and tell you, God, that that's the spot that God wants to touch? Church, the, the question is simple. Are we going to stick with religious ritual? And think that that's going to bring God's blessing in the year to come? Are we going to move on into restored relationship? And realize that it's only there that God chooses to bless us. The invitation is very simple this morning. And you know if it's for you. So as our musicians come forward, even if they need to come. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, from the stage to the pews to the sound booth, even if you're in the nursery and hear me now, if God has spoken to you this morning and convicted your heart, stop rebelling and start submitting. If you can't bow before Him now, you have no hope to stand before Him later. Let's pray and these altars will be open. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would take not the words I've spoken, but the words which you've spoken years ago, and that you would implant them in our hearts. God, that there would be people rise up out of this church and say, Father, I am sorry for the rituals in my life. God, that you drive them to move past those rituals and to get in relationship. Father, help us understand it's not the singing of a song or the giving of money or the appearance and attendance in a class that brings us close to you, but it is an open and honest heart washed clean by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, would you draw us close to the cross this morning? Father God, let us feel your presence as we seek to come and restore that relationship that we've damaged. Father, I pray that you would use this message which you spoke thousands of years ago to touch our hearts in a fresh way this morning. We pray in the name of your precious Son, Lord Jesus Christ, for it's only through him that we get in to this relationship. Amen.